So um, Psalm 90 is the beginning of book six of the Psalms. Is anyone here, or was anyone who's here, did any of you not know that the Psalms are divided up into five books? Is that new to anybody at all? Okay, very good. Uh, Right, so um, uh, this particular uh, collection, uh, Psalms 90 to 106, are psalms either by or about Moses and the Exodus. That's my title. Um, it is the it is the one part of the Psalms that has the most confusion um, among commentators about what the title should should be. So that's mine, and for what it's worth. Um, and I'm going to come back to it, but I'm going to give you this in place of it, which is that Book One, Psalms one to I'll say 41. I think that's right. Um, are Psalms by David. They're highly personal, and he favors Lord rather than God as a title or name for God. For example, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, and so on. In uh, book two of the Psalms, Psalms 42 to about 71, I think that's also, or maybe it's 72. Um, We have Psalms also by David, and they favor uh, God over Lord. God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, and so on. Um, book th- and, and book three follows along with book two in that they're primarily national song, songs, songs. Um, but book three, Psalms 73 to 89 are by Asaph um, and a few others, but uh, quite a few of them by Asaph, most of the 70s and into the 80s. Um, Asaph, Asaph is a special subject of my own because um, having studied uh, both his psalms and the book of Job very closely, and I've made a comparison of the language, I'm led to believe that I, I think that Asaph probably wrote the book of Job. Um, if he didn't write it, he was a big fan of the author because they use a lot of the same language and turns of phrase and so forth. Of course, Job was written a thousand years after the events happened. Job probably lived about the time of Isaac and Jacob, um, but the book we think was written about the time of David and Solomon, and that fits with Asaph. Um, and then we come to book four, the one that we're in, Psalms by or about Moses in the Exodus. Only 90, Psalm 90, has Moses' name in it, I mean in the title, uh, but the other ones uh, very dramatically retell the story of the Exodus and the sojourn. And then Psalms um, 106, 107 um, to uh, 150, are psalms of praise. Many of them are orphans and they are liturgical. By orphan, I mean that there's no author given in the title. So we don't know who wrote them, so forth. Do you want a copy of the handout? They're back in the back, so there you go. Thank you. Um, It's from that last section that we get we get very familiarized with, uh, with the word uh, hallelujah um, because of how, how often it occurs. Um, and in, the, in translations, like in the NIV, I think it's usually praise the Lord, but hallelujah. Sometimes hallelujah, praise him, but same thing as praise the Lord depending on the context. So hallelujah, hallelujah, I just think hallelujah is a little bit funnier to say.
It sounds more interesting in English. Anything there on just the introduction to where we are in the book of Psalms? Okay. Psalm 90, most recognizable verse, I think, uh, and there are three or four of them actually that are pretty recognizable, but maybe this one, especially verse 10, the length of our days is 70 years or 80, if we have the strength. Oh, going back to the uh, topic of um, the headings, um, I want to make sure that we understand how old they are. Um, can somebody tell me uh, the fourth word, and I'd like you to raise your hand because a couple of you have had in class, but I'd like you to raise your hand. Tell me the fourth word in, in English in the 23rd Psalm. Who says my? Who says something else? Wait, is this a trick question? Like, are you asking what it is in Hebrew? No, I'm asking in English. <laughs> Fourth word. What is it? It's David. A Psalm of David. 23rd Psalm. Um, the headings are as old as the rest of the text. And, and so we, we believe that they were written um, by the original authors. One of the uh, pieces, two of the pieces of evidence, maybe three of the pieces of evidence that we have, is that whenever you encounter a new copy of the Psalms, I mean an, an old copy of the Psalms, is they always have the headings. They're not left out of ancient documents. They are in the oldest translations. So the Septuagint, for, for example, has the headings and in those translations, in the Septuagint, which is written uh, 708 years, 800 years after David's time, but much closer to the Psalms authorship than we are, they already didn't know how to translate certain words. So they, and they, they leave them untranslated. So they, weren't, they were already not sure of what some of the words means. So these are not words added later on by a scribe. They were ancient. They, the evidence is that they were very ancient already in the two or three hundreds BC. Sila is one of them because in the, in the Septuagint, sorry to laugh before I give you the actual punchline, um, in, in the Septuagint, the word Sila is simply translated diopsalma, which means throughout the Psalms. Oh, thank you, translator, for that highly unhelpful translation of this word that occurs throughout the Psalms. Um, so something along those lines. Yeah. It also could mean something like in the music or something, but what, you know, what, what does it mean? The, uh, the uh, evangelical heritage version says um, interlude there. And hi, Connie, there's a copy of the handout in the back there. And so you, since you're sitting in the magic seat, you have to take roll. Just a head count. But every head counts. So, so if, in other words, if, anybody, if any of you ever are taking, are taking the head count, if there's a baby in the room, the baby has a head, the baby counts. Got it? That's how we do attendance in the, in the Bible class. Anyway. So, uh, so anyway, the, the headings of the Psalms are part of the original text. Um, We've had, actually, I've, I've had uh, uh, MLC professors uh, challenge me on that point in Sunday morning worship when I've mentioned 
the heading of the psalm. Um, and, but I taught psalms as a, as a seminary course um, when we were teaching a seminary student here at St. Paul's one year. We had him for three years. I, he, I, I taught psalms, Isaiah, Galatians, and dogmatics, which is like advanced catechism. Um, those are the, the, some of the courses I taught. And the, instead of using the course I had had, I went back a generation and I used the course that like Pastor Sutton had had. For one thing, it was online and I could just download it without any marks in it. You know, the, the, the course notes. So it was the course that the professors had taken who challenged me. And I was able to show them in their own class notes where it said that it agreed with me. You know, um, you don't often get to tell a prof you're wrong because you weren't listening in class that day, but I got to say that. All right. All right. Also, Psalm 90 can be compared, really, with um, the opening chapters of Genesis. There are a lot of things in common with creation and death and the promise of the resurrection. But let's get to the text, shall we? What I would like to do is mostly... Um, I follow this procedure as we're, as we're going through some of the psalms is I just like to read the psalm without stopping and then we'll go back and tackle verses. Is that okay with you? Let's just hear it as poetry. Would you like to read it with me or shall I just read to you? Shall I just read? Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, through, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So, um, 17 verses. I don't know the average length of a psalm. Um, this seems about medium to me. Quite a lot of the psalms are like 12, 15 verses or so. Um, there's a whole bunch that are three verses. There's one that's only two, shortest chapter of the Bible. There's one that's 176, of course. And there are a couple of others that are 
well into the 70s and 80s and the number of verses, so I don't really know. But this one feels like a medium-length psalm to me. So a, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. This picture of Moses, um, I like a lot. For one thing, uh, he uh, looks almost exactly like my cousin Randy. I'm just saying. Uh, and uh, he was painted in about the 1640s by a Frenchman named Philippe de Champagne. And the, the, another curiosity about this painting is, first of all, uh, the Ten Commandments he's holding. Um, in this painting, he follows what I'm going to call the Western order of the Ten Commandments, which is the way we number the, the Ten Commandments with the two covets at the end. Um, except he's got them backwards. So he follows the text of Exodus, or I'm sorry, the text of Deuteronomy and not the text of Exodus. So he's got, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife as nine and house as 10. So that's interesting. Perfectly biblical though, isn't it? Because one is Deuteronomy 5 and one is Exodus 20. It's perfectly biblical. But do you see, um, you can read Roman numerals. Can you see number six there in the middle? Do you see in the second line of number six, do you see the word fornication? So this, this is you shall not commit adultery. What's wrong with the word fornication? It's spelled wrong. Can you imagine? You're the painter and you... So if you can see it, do you see that there's a little tiny mark? He, he put in the missing letter um, above it in the line there. Um, and actually he does that in a few other places where he's got things wrong. But usually it's at the end of a line where that was acceptable. You can, if your word runs out, you can just write the end of the word really small above the last letter. I actually still do that when I take notes sometimes. But he gets that wrong in the middle of the line, which I think is amusing. Um, also, I, I don't want to spend time on this painting, although I'd like to do a class sometime on, oh, I would, biblical art, where would you start? And, and, but what is Moses holding in the other hand? That stick seems to be, it's not like his staff or something. It looks a lot more like the kind of a stick that a painter uses to keep his hand steady when he's painting. Like, so is it almost a self-portrait? Um, or something? Or it could be that because uh, he's got the Ten Commandments there, was it, is he thinking that Moses was using that to hold his hand steady when he was writing the Ten Commandments or so, although they appeared to be chiseled the way he's kind of painted them. I don't know. Anyway, it's a curiosity. I mostly wanted to just point out the order of the commandments um, and the way that they're uh, written there. Okay. A couple of quick facts about Moses as we get into the psalm. Moses was a Levite. He's the third child in the family. Who are his older brother and sister? Aaron and Miriam. Yeah. Uh, Moses was born in about 1526 B.C., in Egypt, adopted by a daughter of the Pharaoh, either Pharaoh Amhos or Amenhotep I. And they, they um, both were in that year. That's why I don't know which one. But there's a, there's a death of a Pharaoh in there. Um, and the, the Egyptian chronology is the moving target 
in biblical chronology. We know, the Bible gives us years and numbers and how long was it. We know Moses was 40 when he left Egypt. He was 80 when he came back and 120 when he dies. We have Moses' life stamped out in neat batches of 40, right? So I know the, I know the years. What I don't know is Egyptian chronology perfectly because every, every couple of years they dig up a new pharaoh who had chiseled out his dad's name from the list of pharaohs. So now the whole chronology changes because somebody else got removed because when they were mad at each other, they would just erase each other. Um, so it's a little bit hard to do Egyptian chronology. And what, 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 where, where that, um, you get some help with that is where these, these big Egyptian pylons, or sometimes called stele, have fallen and it falls against a wall if it did that in the Pharaoh's lifetime, he could chisel out dad's name from three of the four sides, but not the side that's against the wall. So carefully move that pylon and you have the full text. And that's where we learn things. Like, oh, there's somebody in here who reigned four years. So we got, now we got to stick him in the thing. And, and then, and then in, the, in the other, then you got photo not available in the big list of the Pharaoh sculptures and stuff like that. We have that at St. Paul's. Our very first pastor here was not a pastor. He was a student named Pop. We don't have his photograph. So we have everybody else's picture. But if we're going to do a wall, like on the, on the wall, like all the pastors who have served here, we get a problem with the very first one. Do I put in photo not available? Or my original question to, to, to a board that wanted me to take care of this like eight years ago, and I haven't even started yet, was get a big group photo from that time period and then put an arrow to some blurry guy in the middle and put a question mark, you know? Because I don't know, that could be him. But anyhow, let's just move on, shall we? Say that again? No, because we would know some of the people because they're probably labeled, but some blurry guy, I don't know. Never know. All right, Moses at 40 murdered an Egyptian guy in 1486 and he fled to Midian, which is um, uh, not that far away from, from Mount Sinai, um, from that area. Then he, uh, 40 years later, 38 or nine years later, in 1447, about, he saw the burning bush and then returned to Egypt. Of course, on his way back to Egypt, this is the strange thing about Moses' life that helps me in counseling sometimes. Moses is on his way to Egypt after you know, obeying God, go back to Egypt, and what does God do? He comes screaming across the desert in a rage about to kill Moses. Why? He didn't circumcise his son. So God is furious, and then his wife Zipporah has to do it and she's really mad at Moses, and you've become a, a, a bridegroom of blood to me. And, and uh, yeah, so sometimes pastors mess up also. Um, then uh, in Egypt, he leads uh, the Exodus to Mount Sinai in 1446. Moses is the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch and this Psalm. So that's his body of work. Um, and he died in 1406 at 120 years old on Mount Nebo um, across the river, across the Jordan from Jericho, basically, um, in that area. Um, on the way, 
just to get us into the context of the psalm, in the wilderness during that 40 years, all of the adult Israelites died. Their army was about 600,000, and those guys were married. So what's 600,000 times two? A little more than a million, right? And they had kids. So we think that about two million or more people left Egypt. Now, the upper half, the soldiers and their wives, all died during the 40 years, right? That's, that's what the Bible tells us. Um, that means that Moses, in 40 years, saw a million Hebrews die, which is 68 funerals every day, five and a half funerals every daylight hour. This morning I pointed at, pointed at Renee, our secretary, and said, and that many bulletins, too, you know. Uh, or about one funeral every 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, now, uh, there were times where God took care of this in a different way. The rebellion of Korah, the earth opened up and swallowed, you know, thousands, right in that moment. And there were other rebellions. There was a war and some other things that went on like that. But that's not going to change our numbers too much in this statistic when you've got two million um, that you're dealing with. And by and large, I think the families probably would have washed and buried their own dead. That's what people generally did. Um, but it's a lot of death all around, isn't it? It really is. Um, and they spent a great deal of time in a place called Kadesh. And I, I think a great deal of this probably happened there toward the end of the 40 years. Um, you've got Aaron and Miriam dying, Moses a couple years later. But that whole business with Balaam and Balaam's donkey and all that happens, and the, and the snakes, the, the, the snakes and the, the bronze snake, that all happens after Aaron dies. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on when people are getting up there in years. And, I mean, Aaron was 120, what? 122, 123 and Miriam is even older, and she's, you know, so, um, but they're, they're, they're dying off. Um, and so, anyway, that's the context of the psalm that might give us a hint about what Moses is writing about as he begins to write about the length of our days and so forth. Let's get into You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.